Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Uh, We are going to use this podcast today to do something we haven't done in a while and just talk sports. Obviously, there have been other developments uh, at Michigan State University concerning the multiple um, sexual misconduct and sexual assault cases that have been going on uh, throughout the athletic department. Um, The only developments or the major developments since the last time we left you were the appointment of a new interim president, John Ingler, and the appointment of Bill Beekman as the interim elect, uh, excuse me, interim athletic director. Everything else that's been going on really only lends itself to speculation at that point. And we've said from the from the beginning that, you know, we are not journalists. We are not experts in this field by any stretch. So we will leave the speculating and the next steps to uh, people that are, frankly, better at cut it, covering this than we are and, and simply more informed than we are. So um, definitely encourage everybody to follow LSJ News, State News, and the Free Press for more. Uh, on those developments, but like I said, we are going to use this podcast to just just talk some sports today. Let's do it. Yeah, John. Stuff happened. Let's start. There's been so much that happened. I yeah. feel like we only, it's only been a week, but a million things have happened. Yeah. Uh, specifically, let's start, let's start with the foosball. Yeah. So today was a day that in the past has been chaotic. Mm. I mean, crazy. Yep. It's signing day. It doesn't really feel like signing day. Not for us. Well, no, certainly not. We had a um, as eventful signing days go. We had probably the least eventful one, at least in the in the state of Michigan. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, and so it, it was very uneventful. MSU, you know, with the advent of the early signing day and the early signing period, um, MSU pretty much had their class locked up. Yeah. Back uh, earlier on in the year. Um, that's not to say nothing happened. Um, Few people on the board still. Yep. Reese, so there were, there were a couple targets coming down the stretch, one of which ended up becoming a Spartan, and that was wide receiver uh, Speedy Naylor from Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, the, I believe, three or four star receiver. It's a big pickup. Yeah. A teammate of Jacob Isaiah. I may be botching that, that last name, but. Um, a big pickup, like you said, John, for a couple of reasons. First, mm-hmm. talented player. Sure. If you watch his film, fast slot guy. It better be fast. Well, with a name it. like that. Yeah, let's just start that. <laughs> with a name like Speedy. Um, but I think more importantly, you know, with the unexpected attrition at the wide receiver position from the football team of Hunter Risen and uh, Tristan Jackson, 
you know, getting a wide receiver became really important. So Speedy Naylor uh, has a chance to come in, but, you know, as D'Antonio has shown, he's not afraid to pull red shirts, not afraid to, nope. not afraid to, to play the puppies. So, yeah, I mean, you could see him next year playing a little bit, but um, definitely fills an important spot on, on this team. Absolutely. And so it wasn't all rosy. No. A uh, few things went, you know, it wasn't, it was not great. Not, never good to miss. Right. But I don't know if they were as, it was so big that we got the wide receiver. Yes. That was the glaring um, area that we could fill. Yeah. Immediately with someone that could play immediately. We missed on a couple guys though. Well, you know, it's, it's funny when you look at, when you look at Michigan State and the way their roster is constructed, they're returning something like 90 yep. to 92% of the players that played snaps last year. So it's not, or production anyway, it's not like this class was imperative to go out and get, you know, we need impact players that can come in and play right now. Because simply, if you look up and down the roster, you you don't really have those needs no. uh, up and down. So. Uh, I think these last spots in, in what was actually a smaller class, I think it only had ended up being 19 or 20 commits, maybe 21. But um, these last spots were more of like shooting for the moon type of spots. Yep. Um, and the two players that MSU had kind of honed in on, aside from Naylor, were defensive end Habakkuk Baldonando. Nice work. A name that I wanted to and probably will still just scream at the top of my lungs at my TV on a Saturday just for fun. <laughs> Got to. Um, I, the fact that you've been able to say cor- what I assume to be correct I, I, yeah, has I think, earned you the right I mean, I to th- yell it. I think it's right. Um, so he si- he ended up signing with Pitt. He's a, a, a taller defensive end who had, by the way, he just came over to the States from Italy. Uh, he previously lived in Rome. He came to... He was not interested in Michigan. Was not interested in coming After. to play in the state of Michigan, <laughs> understandably. He ended up committing to Pitt. He said a lot of... Not a lot of it, obviously. You know, playing for a great coach and a great staff over there at Pitt. Guys we like a lot. Dudes. Um, Dudes and gang. Yeah. So he ended up going to to play there partially because he liked the fact that it's in a city. But just to talk about how productive he was, he had 30 and a half sacks this past year as a senior. All right, I'm going to qualify that with he was playing against guys that just learned the game, yes? Well, he is his first year playing American high school football. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, so. No, this was in the States, in, the in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had 30 and a half sacks. So, you know, he's he's raw. He had played like some American football, I guess, over in Italy. But it's like if you remember NFL Europe. Yeah, It's probably similar to that. Not great comp. But he comes over to Florida and, and just goes bananas. So you can tell why he was a, a late riser up a lot of those recruiting boards and, and why Pitt, frankly, should be really excited to get him. Um, and you can tell why why Mark D'Antonio is probably like, oh, yeah, we could sign that guy. Dude, out. 30 and a half sacks is video game stuff. I don't even know if I ever got to 30 sacks in a video game. That's That's like... That's a lot. That's like, I don't even know if I want to keep playing because this is so unrealistic. Right. This isn't, yeah. It's like, we've gone a bridge too far to where we're racking up 30 sacks in a season. But so MSU obviously wanted him, missed out. Um, And the other player that they had really honed in on was uh, another wide receiver, uh, Tommy Bush. Thomas. From the Houston area in Texas. uh, Four-star wideout, had offers from all over the state. um, And all over the state, all over the country. Mm -hmm. um, Ended up committing to play for Georgia. I've heard of that. Yeah, they're a school that, you know, looks good. They're, they ended up having the number one class in the country by, like, a lot. <laughs> and and that is 
going up against the likes of Ohio State, who I think had 12 of the top 100 players in the rivals' top 100, and Georgia was still demonstrably better. Do you think that... Now, granted, his decision could have already been made, but do you think that Michigan State signing Naylor had anything to do with it? Uh, doubt it. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but they're not... In MSU's system... You know, I think that's one of the things that frustrated Hunter Ryzen is they pegged him as a slot wideout, which is what they see Naylor as, and kind of what what R.J. Shelton was early in his career, what McGarrett Kings was early in his career. They both eventually kind of transitioned out of that. But um, I don't think Bush would have ever started there. He would have started on the outside. Right. Um, so I don't know that it was necessarily mutually exclusive. I know from MSU's perspective, if he wanted to come to MSU, they would have found a way to find sure. a scholarship one way or the other. So, um, speaking of scholarships, yeah, we had some guys join the team that said, you know what? I don't even need a scholarship. I don't <laughs> play that bad. Yeah. The so Spartans. there were a couple guys, um, like John alluded to that ended up coming to play for MSU, uh, as preferred walk-ons. Um, a couple of names you're going to recognize. Well, at least one, um, David Cruz, Connor's brother. Yeah. Connor's brother was a uh, quarterback for one of the best teams in the state last year and is ranked uh, one of the, the number one wrestler in the state. Hey, man. <laughs> At 189 pounds. Okay. Okay. Sure. Fine. Yeah. We'll take another. <laughs> I think he's the third cruise or, or, you know, one of multiple cruises to come play for the school. I think um, that earns the right to be listed as an athlete. Yeah, I would think so. (laughs) There is also another athlete uh, who's probably in the offensive tackle category, at least per rivals, and that's Dan Van Opstall of Jenison, Michigan. The most West Michigan name. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so Dutch. Dan Van. Just incredibly (laughs) Dutch. Oh, yeah. He'll be wearing his his orange Dutch kit, I'm sure, around East Lansing. Um, But the the interesting one is an out-of-state walk-on punter named... Uh, William Pristup, I could definitely be botching that. There's a lot of, there's not many vowels in that name. It's okay, because the most important part of him is coming up. Yeah, uh, so he's from Florida, and he is uh, listed at 6'3", 225 pounds. Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hoss as a punter. That's like an, have you ever seen that old uh, uh, punt, pass, and kick footage of, yes, of Andy, Andy Reid? Yeah, that's yes, what him. I envision in this young man. Um, everything, I mean, if you're that big, you can probably boot the ball pretty good. Um, and just, he's the heir apparent. Apparently, they've, uh, D'Antonio was talking about him today, and he, he views him as a starter. Like, he looks at him as the heir apparent to Jake the Weapon Hartbarger. Dude, if only, I'm willing to sacrifice yardage on the punt so we have another tackler on the field. Oh, my God. <laughs> and not just a tackler. <laughs> I want someone laid out by the Dude, punter. He has, he has like gunner size. Like he could be an outside. He's the same size as Andrew Dowell and two inches taller. And he's going to be flying down the field. I mean, I just hope this kid has a nasty streak because if he does, he's going to have the chance to light some people up. Is this going to That's be another kid? tackler. Like that's kind yeah. of a big deal. Is this another kid? Is this a kid that punts with the intention of, of having a return? So that he can Oh, it's it. possible. <laughs> he's like Man. He's 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 not listening to coach. He's like, nah, I want some content. Now I'm putting that down at the two. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna knock somebody out of the eighteen. Man, the, I just hope I can pull this clip someday after a huge hit and play it back for everybody. Yeah. Because I would love nothing more than just a missile as a punter. So um 
listen, MSU's class is kind of a typical class. I think it's one that everybody can get really excited about. We've gone through it sort of at length yeah. previously after the early signing day. Yeah. You'll probably have a couple early early starters, Chase Klein, maybe not a starter, but early contributors in Chase Klein, Trenton Gillickson, um, Xavier Henderson, the cornerback. So it, these are names that you're going to want to know. Um, but you know, listen, again, you return 90 plus percent of the snaps played. You're going to see a lot of familiar faces out there in the field, like those faces. but that is a good thing. So speaking of, speaking of players or people kind of returning and or leaving a good friend of ours, Dan Enos, who I've always loved, who we've always loved. We've never (laughs) bad mouthed on this podcast for even a minute. Um, all right, who are we kidding? We literally said on this podcast, like he may no longer be allowed He's to be not a allowed to ever talk. He was supposed to go to Michigan as to be the wide receivers coach. If yeah. I understand it correctly, mm-hmm. instead yep. he pulls the okie doke. Yes. After two weeks and ends up going to Alabama. The right? Bammer. Oh my gosh. The, the single greatest Benedict Arnold sleeper cell. Like, we are not worthy. Not to brag. Not to brag, but we, we kind of called it. We called it. It happened. We said if he is somehow a double agent, he goes from non-Spartan to one of the greatest Spartans of all time. And I it I happens. stand by that. Dan, you're welcome over to dinner tonight. Yeah. If you want to come over, we got Un- pizza, beer. Real. Danny Nose pulls the greatest troll job oh. that you could ever pull. And he did it. Be- in, okay, so Dan had a... Uh, in his contract with Arkansas, he couldn't sign with an SEC school. So, oh no way! So he could have handled this in a lot of different ways. But you know what he did? He went out of his way to screw over <laughs> Michigan to sign with oh. them, so that 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 contract was void and he could sign with wherever he wanted. As soon as he became an employee somewhere else, which he did, and he could have done that with Eastern Washington. But no, that's a long flight. But he chose Jimmy Harbaugh, pulled the wool over his eyes. You know what? I'll be honest. I didn't even know that. And that just makes me so happy. Like, I know we're not supposed to spend time thinking about them, but that's just so good on so many different levels. To, To, like, if in fact this was his plan, to intentionally, like, upset every Spartan just to be like, and just to have the mental fortitude to be like, I got you guys. Like, I I got you. You don't even know what's going on. You know that Enos had to like text or call D'Antonio that this was the move. And I would be willing to bet that this was the (laughs) only non-win smile D'Antonio has the entire year. (laughs) Was hearing this plan. He literally just texted him like the keep calm and carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Like the graphic and that said he's he's like, Don't worry about it. Because I'm sure he gets the the first text he gets is from D'Antonio that just says WTF Dan. Yeah. And then he sends him back that graphic, just keep calm. It's yeah. not a big deal, don't worry about it. And then later on they're probably hugging somewhere and just like he's just thanking him. Um so yeah, that is a fantastic little sleeper cell moment. That was uh it was just like Mwah. oh, so good. Um and then also weirdly connected to football, uh <laughs> We just thought this was worth mentioning. It kind of came up last week, and it wasn't necessarily appropriate to talk about it at the time. But apparently, AJ Troop was in a Metro PCS commercial. So, 
There it is. So that that's that uh, that's Good. it happened. I did not think that AJ Troop was going to be getting more TV FaceTime in 2018 than Connor Cook. I will say, wow. I will say <laughs> that I didn't think I would ever think of AJ Troop again. Hey. After he after he graduated, because <laughs> he had like three years where everyone's like, "Look out for AJ Troop! Look out for AJ Troop!" And then as soon as he graduates, I'm like, "You know, I don't have to look out for him anymore." And then I literally see him on my television you trying s- to shill me a terrible phone. You slept. You I slept, slept on, on AJ Troop. <laughs> I will say, and he now joins the illustrious former Spartan athlete turned actor group of Delvon Rowe. There's, we got SAG actors. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, I mean, we churn <laughs> them out. Literally it. SAG you. Literally it. So, yeah, I don't, I, it, sure. Hey. That was my reaction to sure. <laughs> Why not? I think that's an appropriate way to, when you know when that's coming up, there's lean talks in the football yeah, world. So. Not a lot, not a lot else going on in the football world. But what we do have is a lot to chat about. A in lot the, of basketball. And the hoops. Um, lots, lots to talk hoops wise. Go ahead. A lot of games um, yeah. that went down, and this is an overarching thought, but there's a there were there there have been a lot of games lately, and it's been reflected in perhaps their performance. Yeah, I mean they just got done. Michigan State just got done playing five games in twelve days. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate that. Can't wait to play hey, Madison Square Garden. Thank God, both Big Ten fans that live in New York are going to be there. <laughs> Actually, they I heard from both of them, and they're busy. Yeah. So oh, that's right. Uh, gosh. Well, that's unfortunate. Maybe but, maybe next year. But Michigan, maybe when we go to D.C., more people will show up. <laughs> so Michigan State Ugh. took on Penn State, um, and it was a heck of a game. Um, I, again, we called out how you were going to hear Tony Carr name mention a lot, yep. and um, you did. He he did a, he did his best to keep Penn State in it, and did for most of the game. Um, and he dropped 28, which was the most since Grayson Allen dropped Ugh. 37. Uh, Kendrick Nunn of Oakland dropped 32, and Bates Diop dropped 32. Yeah. Now, I, I think it's worth zooming out for a second and hitting on an overarching thought here. But those names you just mentioned mm-hmm. all have one thing in common. They are the opposing team's best player. The good. And they're all very good. Mm-hmm. That is becoming a... Two are All-Americans. Right. right. (laughs) Yeah. That is... Yeah, you're looking at the Big Ten Player of the Year and an All-American. But you're... It's a troubling development. And it's been a season-long thing, really. Mm -hmm. Where, aside from North... North, uh, Well, really early in the season. So, North Carolina and Notre Dame, where Colson didn't really do much of anything. And Joel Berry didn't do much. Pretty much ever since, the best player on the opposing team has shredded Michigan State. They've been getting you know, theirs a little. You know the the thing everybody always says about Bill Belichick is like he takes away the thing you want to do best. It seems like MSU just gives up the thing that the other team wants to do best and tries to shut everything else down, and that doesn't always work. Nope. Um, I mean, I mean, these are four great examples, but look at uh, the name that we all hate to say, but Mo Wagner shredded shredded Michigan State. Yeah, you know this was a weird. Not a weird game. It was a good. I mean, it was a game that we found that Penn State is actually, um, who it, we'll talk about later, is playing their way into the tournament. They are very bubbly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this game, we saw um, the bench have some great minutes. Uh, Tom was who 
we we have had not had the nicest thing to say on this podcast. No, had no. a had a uh, acceptable first half, and then Xavier Tillman and McQuaid were great in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and couple that with uh, our normal stars being themselves, and you're gonna you're gonna win that game. I don't care how I don't care how much Tony Carr drops. Yeah, like, you're gonna win. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Jaron. Um, he had he only could play 12 minutes because of foul trouble with this um as you may have seen in the last three games two times he's had a hard time staying on the court um and the turnovers in this game we had been talking about on the last podcast quite a bit but they were crazy like the first half there were nine total which is not good but not terrible but not good and then we had three in the final minute. Yeah, it's, and it was like what a complete collapse. And um, it was it was unfortunate. And that's the exact thing you do not want to ever see. But um, hey, if you can get it out of your system, or we can look at it positively. Yeah, it's you know i I read an article this week. And it kind of hammered. It was about Jaron Jackson. It was on the Ringer, and it was by, um, oh my gosh, what's that writer's name? Jonathan Jarks. Okay. T Jarks. T J A R K S. He's a fantastic writer. Has been writing about the draft and the NBA for a really long time, and he knows his stuff. And he was making a case that Jaron Jackson potentially should be the number one pick in the draft. Yep. He said he's the unicorn that people, for some reason, aren't talking about, and kind of just dove into talking about the rest of Michigan State by talking about Jackson and what that hammered home to me, and I tweeted this and got some mixed results on in terms of people's opinions, but it hammered home to me that this team, this Michigan State team, is is the expectations that everybody had at the beginning of the year should still apply. Mm-hmm. Despite the ups and downs, um, the, this is still, in my opinion, the most talented team in the country. This is still the team that should be one of, if not the favorites, to win the whole thing. But what is going to kill them, if they're going to lose a game, it's going to be because they turn the ball over and they can't stay out of foul trouble. I mean, Jaron Jackson is that big of a difference maker, even with Nick Ward, even with uh, Miles Bridges, even with back, solid backups like Tillman Schilling, guys like that. Jaron Jackson's the difference maker. And if they're handing the ball away, and if yep. their biggest difference maker, their biggest eraser, I mean, the guy that covers up so many mistakes, uh, you know, he won the game against Maryland yep. by coming out in the second half and hitting those two threes to start. I mean, if you, there's a reason he's projected to be a top three to five pick. Well, yeah, and, and if he's on the bench, you're not going to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. Well, yeah, he's gone from top ten to top five with his latest performances and it's like we talked about he he's got us the longer the more minutes we can get that kid the better off we are yeah and um you know penn state was a great a great example of um taking someone's best shot and being down a body and still pulling out the win um and I mean, hey, that that win may end up looking a lot better than we thought it did when it happened. Yeah, I mean, it potentially be one of MSU's better wins overall. I mean, right now or as of recently, they were a top forty-five team in the what was it in Ken Palm? Yeah, it's not a bad win. Yeah, right. and really, when when you look at MSU's Ken Palm rankings up and down in terms of opponents, 
that ends up being one of their better wins. Now they've got some opportunities coming up to to add, you know, between playing Purdue and then the Big Ten tournament to add some really good ones to the list. But you know that Penn State turned out to be a pretty damn good win. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, you know we turned around pretty quickly and then went out to uh, Indiana. Always a tough place to play, um, and. It was. What an odd game that was. One oh. that felt like we were in complete control until all of a sudden we weren't. <laughs> you know, the Indiana, uh, the first half, we they could get nothing going. Like They were shooting so horrifically. Um, everything was going right for us. Matt McQuaid goes bonkers. Yeah, he went super Saiyan. Right? Um, and... and but then all of a sudden it just got heavy legs, and what really killed us was Indiana finished with 53 rebounds. This game was the bizarro game. This game was Matt McQuaid making four threes, including a massive one down the stretch, and MSU getting slaughtered on the boards. Honestly, if you told me that a game was decided by those two factors, or like mm-hmm. those were the two biggest storylines... I would not have believed you. Like, Mamakwe shouldn't be making that big of a difference, and MSU should never be surrendering 53. Wasn't it 20-plus offensive boards, too, for Indiana? It was out of control. And, you know, it's really disconcerting. And and I don't even know if... And maybe there have been similar, but I don't remember something like that happening since, gosh, maybe the, the Duke game, I guess, when we got boarded on pretty hard. But It doesn't happen often. At all, and that's you know it shouldn't based on the size and the skill in that front court. It should never happen. But uh, I think coming out of this, you could tell that they had played four games in eight days. There's no question. And um, the end of the game almost gave your boy mm. a heart attack. Oh. Cassius Winston goes to the line oh. up three, just getting fouled, just trying to run the clock out. Uh-huh. Ninety plus percent free throw shooter, literally one of the best in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Misses. Both free throws, IU comes within, I don't inches. know, inches of tying it on a half-court heave. It, it MSU escapes by the skin of their teeth again. And it, I will say for this game, though, quick turnaround. I don't care what IU looks like in terms of quality of team. This is not definitely not one of the better Indiana teams. Right. But to go win, we talked about it. That team, that crowd brings it Game in and game out, no matter how good their team is, um, and to win on in on the road in that environment on a Saturday evening is, I mean, I think from a mental perspective that is a major feather in Michigan State's cap for sure. Absolutely, I mean, Cassius is the best free throw shooter um, in the country, or excuse me, in the in the conference, um, and to have that happen, it was. To have him miss, that was like very like, oh dear. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. And but you know, talk about you know getting out alive. Yeah. You know, and and that that's great. You know, and you can say like, all right, we survived. Mm-hmm. Truly about survival sometimes, and and you can feel good about winning at Indiana, yep. like you said, and and like, um, <laughs> I th- I think the one of the my favorite parts of the game was how we got Dakich on the call. Ugh. And I'm sorry to everyone, but he doubled down. On oh, and the Miles Bridges no game comment. Yeah, yeah, but he's really he's put the spin zone on it pretty strongly and saying like he's proving me wrong and I like it and whatever Dan, it is. Dan, 
if you need to be proven wrong at this point about Miles Bridges when you've been covering the Big Ten for a year and a half when he's been playing, you are – there's really no other – you're an idiot. Like that's unbelievable that you can say that after the last year and a half. You're just trolling everyone, which I know is his style. But like how can you say, hey, now he's 50 games into his collegiate career. Now he's starting to prove me. Me, Dan Dockich, leader of men, all-time college coach. Like – Dude, come on, man. Like the problem my problem with Dakich is when he says things like when like when he tweeted and he's like, those who know know. Here's my problem with those who know know. That implies that he knows and a select few people who watch basketball know. Tell me more about <laughs> all of the pros that you coach, Dan. Because I'm I'm truly curious at in your stint in the Mac of how many pros that you yeah. coach that because you know because you the way he qualifies himself as knowing is because he was a coach yes so he knows because he was a coach but also doesn't have anyone that he's ever coached right that was at miles bridges level no. so please tell me more i'm, I'm so interested in yeah. how you know and no one else does he, it's his little secret society of people that know. We couldn't possibly be educated enough to be a part of it. So and then it's better he, that we just move on. And no, and then when he flaws. picks us to win the title, the, okay. Get so out let's of talk. Here. Let's talk about Iowa now because oh he Dan doubles down against Indiana, mm-hmm. starts to be like, "Oh my God, I'm an idiot." Mm-hmm. And then during the Iowa game, he goes on to. Not only completely reverse course on Miles Bridges as Bridges is having an absolutely phenomenal game, but then picks Michigan State to to win the national championship. Can't. It's like, dude, I can't. Like, just if you're gonna be a troll, just troll. Don't half-ass it. Like, no, just just all in, dude. Yeah, just just pick Indiana to win it or something. Yeah, I appreciate a good troll, but like, sure. you're not even trying. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was ridiculous, but um, we won't. We won't spend any more time on Dan Dockage. Um, but Bridges, I think, coming out of this Iowa game, again, another quick turnaround going on the road uh, to face an Iowa team that has definitely struggled this year. Not a good Iowa. I feel like they played the way we kind of thought that they would at the beginning. Well, they were a sexy Yeah, they were a sexy pick to be kind of near the top. It's really funny if you look at it now, but Minnesota, Northwestern, and Iowa were like sexy picks to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. Yeah. And now they're all terrible they just really underperformed like it's incredible that this conference it's usually you have one team that just really kind of dumps the bed we had three three that all legitimately yeah have done have so woefully unperformed yeah and i'm not really sure i mean i i think we probably saw iowa's best performance of the year I would have to think. I mean, I don't really know what else they've done, but I can't imagine they've played a much better game than that, at least offensively. I mean, they gave up 96 points, so defensively, obviously, they have their issues. But on the offensive side of the ball, I have a hard time seeing why they're underperforming. I mean, they've got shooters. They've got um, – who's the, the kid in the front court was absolutely terrorizing Michigan State. Yeah. Every time he got the ball, he was just tearing MSU apart. Yeah. Um, it, they've got size. They've got – Shooting Bohannon was shooting from Lights the on. logo, uh, even though he was feeling under the weather. Um, it's not a bad Iowa team, and, and that place was fired up. This was a classic, like you're. This was a classic. You're the favorite, and everybody gets up for you, yeah. type game. And I think it's funny again. It's sort of an overarching thought. 
which I'll touch on again in just a minute. But MSU is getting everybody's best shot. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why the best players on every team are having their best games against Michigan State because they are fired up. They have had this date circled on the calendar for a year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a – this is sort of what comes with the territory. I think yeah. MSU fans, maybe we got a little spoiled by the early season just wiping the floor with some good teams and some really bad teams. And yeah. now, you know, you're seeing the other side of that coin where you're – you're not playing schools that are like, oh, wow, it's Michigan State. You're yeah. playing guys that you play year in and year out. Coaches that know what you do and know how you like to play. And Speaking I mean, of that, I was shocked that of, of coaches that know how you like to play. Shocked that our boy Fran didn't get tossed. <laughs> Beaker? <laughs> I guess he has Franger. And, <laughs> and he, you know, he's usually good for a T against Michigan State. Oh, yeah, every and, year. And I'm not saying because of the way he was acting, because I think he was pretty normal, but usually he just gets worked up. And if there was ever a game to just like the season's lost for Iowa, right? If there was ever a game to like salvage and like because all of a sudden, your our boy Fran, yeah, see, ooh, warm, a little warm. It's yeah, warm. I think it's nice and warm. This is year eight. Wow, he's been the there. Fran plan is in year eight. I, I don't think it can be a plan anymore. Uh, like yeah. when you're there for that long. Does Fran have a plan? Well, Fran Francis, I just assume it's Francis. <laughs> Francis has been there for eight years, and things were going well, if you guys remember, but he, the best finish they've had is third in the yeah. conference. He went from uh, year one, no postseason, year two, NIT second round, year three, NIT runner-up, year four, NCAA first four. Things are good. Better. Year five, NCA round of 32. Hey. Moving on up. Year six, NCA round of, of 32. Okay. Same. <laughs> year seven, NIT second round. Year eight, they will not make the postseason. You can see how this graph yeah. has taken a downward. Taking a, taking a little bit of a dip. You know what happened? Adam Woodbury graduated. Oh, they needed him. He was there for like 17 years. You know, just, just poking people in the eye left and right. <laughs> so France, you know, France seat gets warm, and a win like this kind of can stifle a little bit of the warmth. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that's like, I mean, do they go in another direction? He's 65 and 69, nice, uh, in the Big Ten all time. So he's going to have a losing record after eight years yeah. in the conference. I mean, and on the flip side of it, though, you have to ask yourself, is does Iowa going to be as self-aware as they are with their football program? You yeah. know, are you like, we are Iowa and right. it can be okay, okay. We're good. that we go to the tournament, you know, three times every eight years. Yeah. I mean, I, they've had some really good years before Fran too. I mean, Iowa basketball has not been historically downtrodden. I mean, listen, they're not a final four contender every year, but I, I think you clearly have talent in place and they're not carried by some senior who is, unless I don't know what uh, Bohannon is, but in terms of like year, but um, I would hang on to him for another year. And yeah. then oh, and I'm and not then, saying it's, he's going to be fired at the end of this year. No. I'm just saying we get to talk about it. I think next year is a very real question because you can't come in and have a non-tournament year There it is with that type of talent in yeah, you just can't do that for three straight years. I mean, I don't really care what program you are. You can't 
dipped down from making the tournament two years in a row to missing it three years in a row. Yeah. To me. To me. I mean, I don't even, I mean, if you're a Big Ten program, you're a Power Five program, I wouldn't do that. Well, so we went into Iowa City and decided to, to say, what if we just didn't do the defense thing? Like, yeah. what if. Take the night off, fellas. What if we just, like, didn't and see if we can win that way? <laughs> and I don't love the idea, but they did it. And yeah. and it was awful, and it killed me inside. It was definitely, I think it was probably the most stressful game of the season so far. For yeah. me, personally. I mean, like, this is this is a game where we, we started out comfortably. Yeah. And then it just looked like we were, the team was running... With weights on their shoes, it was sl- we were, they just were like tired, exhausted. They're tired, and, then, and Iowa took full advantage and said, "Let's run." Well, they've been off, wasn't it? It was Iowa, just like uh, Iowa had been off for like a like a week or something like that, almost right. It wasn't because it was similar to the Maryland situation last time when they had been off for like a really long time heading into this game, and MSU had been playing a crazy you know, five games in twelve nights. That's nuts, man. That's that's a lot for any team in any sport. At any level. I mean, what's it normal in the NBA? I can't imagine it's a whole lot more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And and that's just and that's not just us. That's the Big Ten now because we're cramming in these games. Well, they're cut a week out of the schedule. And um, they, they shoved two in December. But, uh, you know. It's, it it's, just is, it's a little ridiculous. And I'm kind of, I feel like there should be more national uproar over it. Because, it. I mean, you talk no about. No one's going to feel bad. No, I know, but you talk about the the exploitation of collegiate players and you want to get into pay-for-play and whether the athletes should be compensated to ask them to put this toll on their bodies and and all because their conference wants to make more money and get yeah, playing in, in New you. York. I just, you know, it's uh, it you. doesn't sit well. Like, like I'm no purist, yeah. but like yeah, I hear you. That's, uh, that's a compelling that's, argument. Yeah, we don't need to get into that. That's Dude, a lot to ask. So we win the shootout, um, even though we all died a little inside to do it. <laughs> And our boy, Kenneth Goins. Oh, the loins were girded. Oh, my goodness. Two for 11. Not uh, good. From three coming into the game. Neitzel's one. Down two. They give him one. And when I say Neitzel, I'm referring to the game where Neitzel, uh, by himself, beat Wisconsin (laughs) at home. Number one, Wisconsin. When the ball rattled around the rim five times. Kenneth G., does the same thing. Kenneth says, "You gonna give me give me that shot? I'm gonna bang it all day." And the thing is, like, if you're Iowa, that's Latin. just such a killer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kenny Goins taking a three is in the crunch time, single in winning time, single best outcome you can ask of your defense. <laughs> like, that's exactly the shot you're trying to let somebody have. And so, and he cans it. Cans it. And it's just like if I'm an Iowa fan at that point. I leave. I leave the state. I leave. Because you're not meant to win. I, we're not winning. This is dumb. I yeah. hate sports. <laughs> <It's just> <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, there was other, there were other good things, um, even though we've kind of been crying wolf here these last three games. Since the 25 turnover Illinois debacle, Ugh. MSU has been averaging 11.4 turnovers a game over their last five games since then. 11.4 is not from a national stand per, standard, amazing, but it is good. Yeah. So there is marked improvement in that area. Um, where it gets to be a bummer again, uh, while we took care of the ball through the whole game, 
were unable to put it in the hole uh, at the very end. Oh my god! Same situation. I've never seen anything like it. Miles, who you know, I'm harping on on uh, Cassius's free throw percentage, which is best in the second best to Duncan Robinson, but I'm gonna say best because anyone that shot over 25 free throws in, this far into the conference season is kind of what qualifies for yeah. me and I made that up but like come on <laughs> no it's important 25 free throws like you can if you're really playing whatever miles <laughs> is second in the conference in free throw percentage for people who have attempted 25 free throws so we couldn't have picked two better guys literally in the entire in conference. the conference not on our team in the conference right to take those free throws and they missed them both. Um, again, we get out of dodge. They they missed the the desperation shot. But I don't know where you were. I had not a body experience <laughs> and found myself laying on the living room floor, staring at the ceiling, <laughs> questioning everything I've ever known to be true. After seeing Cassius and Miles go over four. Yeah, and to see Miles like make that big steal right before mm-hmm. two, and you think, okay. He's going to come in and ice this game. He misses mm-hmm. the first free throw. He literally does like the LeBron thing where he puts his hands down. And he's like, hey, everybody just calm down. Yeah. To no one. Because I, I only need one. I yeah. need to make one. And he misses it. I was just staring at my TV, and I thought that one was going in. The one uh, from the, the game before against Indiana, I was like, ooh, that might go in. It might not. But just because I just didn't the way that that game was going, I was like, they're not going to make that shot. But this one in particular, I was like, they're going to make that. Like, they've made every single shot in this game. Why would they miss this half-court heave that's going to send it to overtime and have us lose in overtime? That's just, I w- that's where I was mentally, was in that second that it was sailing through the mm-hmm. air. I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to lose in overtime because they're going to make a bunch of threes. Like, I was willing <laughs> to go, oh yeah, I was so far down in that self-defeating rabbit hole. In It's like watching your life flash before your eyes. You see <laughs> 30 years of existence just in one split second. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, here comes the pain. And then it, he missed. And someone asked me on Twitter afterwards, they're like, "It's because it was a late game. Yes. And someone's like, how do I go to bed now? Yeah. Like after this game, and I said, you don't. I didn't. You don't. You. This is the life you've chosen. You don't get to sleep. I just hung out on Ken Palm and watched <laughs> and watched the Warriors play the Thunder and uh, for long enough to watch Draymond get tossed. Yeah, good. And I was like, this is this is good. This is worth it. We had some overarching thoughts though for the past three games. Yeah, couple interesting things have taken place. You know, we survived three different crazy situations. Mm-hmm. One, a Guy's best player goes bonkers on us, won it, survived an away game where the team has 53 rebounds, and survived a game a shootout where we just decided to not play defense and bench Cassius Winston for oh my the majority God. of the second half. It made me... For funsies. Insane. So, with that said, um, about Cassius taking, um, taking a chair, I, I want to run something by you, and I want to... I'm going to preface that. Yeah, it's going to need some prefacing. I'm going to preface that. I don't necessarily believe this is what we should do. but in the, However. In, in the spirit of offering <laughs> solutions to a problem, <laughs> which is clearly that we don't necessarily have a strong backup point guard that can result. What? That can produce a competent offense um, in, without Cassius on the floor. I have a pr- proposition. 
and I have to admit it is fr- I heard it from a friend and sober. So- I think that's <laughs> worth mentioning. I was completely and it like kind of made sense to me. And here it is. Sober. So <laughs> what if what if Tom started over Cassius? I mean when you say it like that, I want to just like kick you out. Now, let me explain. Yeah. Go ahead. If there was ever a time to start a senior leader that can set a tone to, f- to start a game. Let's talk about every buzzword we can around Tum Tum Nair. I'll start your argument here. It would be at the beginning of a game. Not in the middle. Not at Definitely the end. Definitely not, not at the end. end. It would be at the very beginning. Two, we have seen some pretty crummy lineups in the middle of the first half, Ugh. have we not? We do complete line changes in which we don't even have it sometimes two scorers on the floor. It's varsity to JV. And it's a bummer because you have not only an offense that is stalled with Tom on the court, period, but you put Tom on the court with a Gavin Schilling, Kenny Goins, Matt McQuaid lineup, now you're in real trouble regardless of if it's Miles or Josh Langford. It doesn't matter. It does doesn't matter who, who it is. Person is. So, in, so in this thought, if Tom starts... And then you put Cassius in, probably on the second dead ball before the first TV timeout. Cassius plays with the best five on the court for a smaller amount of time. You concede that. But Cassius then gets to play with the second unit, which can raise the level uh, mm-hmm. that they are able to, to produce. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and when I say Cassius doesn't start, I'm not implying that he gets less minutes. He actually gets the same amount of minutes as he normally does throughout mm-hmm. the game, but now you're staggering the lineups more so you have playmakers and scorers on the court. And Okay. I Here's what I will say to that. I agree with the overarching themes of your argument. I think what the problems you are attempting to address are real ones and very apparent to anybody who's watched this team. They're real mm-hmm. ones. Um I just don't like the thought that I could live in a world where Tum Tum starts over Cassius Winston. And that can be the end of this conversation. No, no, no. I, I, here's what, I think your points are very important because the Tum Tum has become, and I have been very outspoken about this, but Tum Tum has become such a liability and so disrespected on the offensive side of the floor that it absolutely kills Michigan State's spacing, which mm-hmm. is, if you want to run a motion offense, spacing is kind of important. I've heard. Uh, so... It, it destroys Michigan State's offensive flow when he's on the floor with anybody but that starting group or three other starters on a minimum. I would say probably Langford, Bridges, and Jaron Jackson. I think you've reached a point where if the game is even a game, he has to be playing with three of those four other starters or even alongside Cassius. Mm-hmm. The issue there is that you don't have a third ball handler that you can bring in if you play the two together. So you really can't play them together all mm-hmm. that much if at all, um, and that you do take away time from having your best five on the floor by having Tum Tum play with those other four. Yep. Um, however, if you mix that up more often, you really limit both in the good way and the bad way. I think it would be more beneficial to the bad than detrimental to the good. You limit the extremes of this team there you go. by getting Tum Tum in there, be it at the start, be it in the middle, be it definitely not at the end. Um, with the better lineups because, yes, he's limited offensively. It's obvious, but you put him out there with four stars. I mean, really, mm-hmm. Josh Langford, 
Bridges, Jackson can all shoot threes. Nick Ward go. is shooting 70% from the field. Giving him the ball. And, yeah, give him the ball, you know. So I I agree with those tenets of the argument. This will never happen. Nope. It'll never happen. I know. Um, but it's an interesting – It's an interesting because the first time you brought this to me, I was like – I was just ready to just dismiss it out of hand. I think you almost – before I – I almost just logged off. You, I think he almost blocked me before I could shoot <laughs> off that other, the next. Yeah. He did preface this. I heard this sober and I want you to know about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't like where this is going. This feels like a cry for help. I'm already nervous. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. Uh, I, I think the tenets of it are, are solid, but um, I don't want to live in a world where Tom Tom's still the starter for this team. Another thing happened. Um, interested to hear what everyone else thinks. Yeah, would love to hear people's thought yeah. process. And feel free to just roast John yeah, on Twitter, too, just fine. by the way. Yeah. I also um, saw some interesting things happen over the last three games. Is it possible that we have seen Xavier Tillman begin to creep on Gavin and Ben Carter, if wow. he's healthy, minutes? Mm-hmm. Are they Xavier Tillmans now? I think in greater proportion, they are becoming that for sure. Um I think he's a little bit more versatile as a defender. And frankly, Schilling has not progressed in the same area that has been his weakness his entire career, and that is being able to stay out of foul trouble. Even in limited minutes, he gets into foul trouble. So mm-hmm. keeping him on the floor can be tough. Michigan State does not lack for choices, but um, I think that's probably probably part of the frustration on D'Antoni, or D'Antonio Izzo's part. Um but Tillman just, I think Izzo's taking a calculated look towards the future. This is your starting four next year. Yep. I mean, it, it, Jaron Jackson's going to go pro. Bridges is going to go pro. Schilling and Carter are both going to graduate. Um, you're looking at your starting four and your starting five are going to be Nick Ward, assuming he stays in school, and Tillman. I think Izzo yeah. sees this as an opportunity to get him valuable minutes in, in large stretches. And, you know, if that comes at the expense of Schilling, so be it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're starting to see he's earned the minutes. For sure. You know? I agree with that as well. So uh, he, He's a more dynamic offensive player as well. Mm-hmm. Like he has a – I don't – I will not be surprised if you see him, and this might be stretching a bit, but next year in a more of a ball handling role, like a like an early in his career Draymond type role. Because mm. if you watch his him in high school, this dude was – handling the ball all the time. For, I huh. mean, again, it's high school, but yeah. this guy can pass. He's got great vision. I think his jumper obviously needs a little bit of work, but go back and watch sophomore Draymond Green's jumper and tell me that that, that didn't need some work. Um, <laughs> so so I, I think he's got more of a, a three, four type role in his future. And I think that that's not really a player that MSU has right now, aside from miles bridges. So I think, yeah, he's stealing someone's chillings minutes for sure. Wow. I did not expect a Xavier Tillman could become a three. I don't think he's a three. I just think he's like a three, four. I don't. I just don't see him as a five. He's kind of that tweener role. He's not a three. He's never going to be a three. Okay. But he's a four. He's a four that luckily, can guard threes. Luckily, and can play with those types of ball handling skills. Luckily, Xavier was born with the the body at that he has at eight, at eighteen that can guard an Isaac Haas. Which will come in very handy as we throw bodies at 
the, mm-hmm. the Purdue team that comes into East Lansing on Saturday. Yeah, let's get to it. This is the big... This is what we've been kind of circled on the calendar for a long time, and Michigan State has survived uh, enough games to make this relevant. Um, and as rec- last night, Ohio State made it all of a sudden much more interesting as they took down the Boilers uh, in West Lafayette, um, which tightens the standings as we head down the stretch of the Big Ten season, I think almost everyone um, has five games to go. It's going to get pretty real pretty quick. Yep. Um, there are a lot of games coming up around the conference. Um, I will do you the favor of watching um, most of them so you don't have to because most of them are pretty garbage. Um, <laughs> That's but, what happens when you have three good teams in a, exactly. in a conference. But um, before we hop into the MSU-Purdue game, some other things to look for. Um, Northwestern plays at Maryland. Uh, I think that's a It's an interesting, interesting game. Yeah, all of a sudden that matters. Northwestern has been able to string a few together here. And they went from life support to um, a coma. <laughs> like, so they're still in terrible shape. But um, if they win at Maryland, all of a sudden they get to at least – pipe into the discussion of bubbles mm-hmm. uh, and that happens on saturday um additionally uh iowa goes to ohio state um if iowa plays anything like the way they played michigan state they have a shot unfortunately yeah they have not played that way most of the uh, season. iowa well that i think that's a particularly interesting game for a couple of reasons first of all iowa's got the size to give them trouble mm-hmm. they've got the shooting to give them trouble offensively i don't think there's any reason they shouldn't be able to score on ohio state the problem is defensively, they couldn't stop Michigan State to save their lives. Doesn't make me think they're going to be able to stop right. Kata Bates, Diop. However, Iowa's playing with house money right now. That's right. They got nothing to lose. Uh, Ohio State is coming off of as high of a high as you can have at this point in the yep. season. They literally were the first team to beat Purdue in the last 20 games. Um, they've yep. got a very, very – I mean, right now they're atop the Big Ten standings. That's right. They've got a very real chance to win the league. Um, this will be a big test for – that team. I mean, they've been playing underdog and unexpected all year. This is kind of their first opportunity to have someone come in and be like, "A, they're playing with a target on their back." I think for, for really the first time, time all year, sure. um, because if, I mean, go back to when they played Michigan State. People were like, "Yeah, you know, maybe they're it, fine." They were nobody, yep. and now they're Some. top ten team in the country, a really good team. Indisputable, yep. But um, this will be. This is a test for them. I mean, they went in and won in a tough Purdue environment. They were loud the other night. So, yeah. it. I, I think this is probably Ohio State is is obviously the favorite to win this game and definitely should win. But I would. I mean, I wouldn't sleep on Iowa winning this game, or at least putting up a fight. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, the, I think the they play um after the michigan state pen or excuse me, michigan state purdue game so i'll see if it's worth watching after the <laughs> purdue game um yeah good point <laughs> we'll know whether you should watch that or not exactly It'll be pretty obvious so um purdue rolls in to east lansing on saturday at 3 p.m or 4 p.m eastern and uh michigan state who has been favored almost every game this year and probably will be for this game as well because they're at home because they're at home but um Man, it, it's it'll be a tight line because Flor- or, excuse, Purdue had won 19 straight before Ohio State and have five guys that are shooting 40% from three. That's incredible. Five. They're only 20, to be clear, they're only 27 guys in the conference 
who are shooting 40% plus from three, who have over 23-point attempts. So they can shoot the pill a little bit. Yeah, just a little. And when they get going, it's really hard to stop, especially because, um, worst-case scenario, they have a safety valve in monster Isaac Haas, yeah. seven foot two, um Big fella. He is one of the few guys in uh, this league that makes that will make Gavin Schilling look frail and small. <laughs> it it's crazy. First, quick weird anomaly here. How does Isaac Haas only get five rebounds a game when his head is on the rim? I would say because most of Purdue's threes go in, but I don't <laughs> that's, know. That's that fair. <laughs> that's fair. But I mean, you look at this team and they were, they were ranked number three. Yes, they just lost, but this is not a fluke number three ranking. Yeah, sure, the Big Ten's down. They lost, but this team lost two games early in the season uh, to. Um, Western Kentucky and Tennessee, and then in the same tournament. Tennessee isn't not a bad loss. No, not at all. That's the best team in the SEC right now. Yeah. And then they ended up beating Arizona in the seventh place game in that tournament, which Weirdest is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is this is a legit team, and a lot of these names are all of these names, as a matter of fact, are going to be very familiar to Spartans fans. The top, um, I mean, uh, the top. Eight scorers, I think, except for Matt Harms, are all guys, excuse me, the top, let's see here, seven scorers um, are all guys that have played really significant minutes for these guys in the past. Carson Edwards, Vincent Edwards, Haas, Dakota Mathias, P.J. Thompson, uh, and Ryan Klein. Ryan Klein's killed Michigan State in the past. Yep. Um, they have four guys averaging double digits, four guys shooting over 40% from three, five guys shooting over 75% from the line. Um Five guys shooting over 45% from the field. Six guys shooting over 45%. Seven guys shooting over 45% from the field. I mean, this is this is a legitimate team. They board well. They shoot, like you said, very well. Um, I do think, though, that Michigan State, as matchups go, for the most part, matches, they match up. They're going to match up well against most teams, but I think they do match up particularly well against Purdue. Um, there are two keys to this game. It really boils down to two players for me, for MSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Cassius Winston and Jaron Jackson. My reason being for for Jaron Jackson, he is a player that Purdue, I mean, not many teams in the country have an answer for him. Purdue in particular does not have much of an answer for him because he is yeah. either going to be guarded by Vincent Edwards, who is a heck of a player, uh, but he's at 6'8", and he's a true three. He's probably going to see more time on Miles Bridges unless you want Dakota Mathias on him, which I just wouldn't advise as a fan of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're probably going to see Vincent Edwards uh, on him. And if MSU goes – and that's a good matchup for Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor. And then if the, if MSU wants to go small, which would be really interesting, and put Jaron Jackson at the five, you're going to have either Matt Harms or Isaac Haas guarding him. Yep. And defensively, that is going to be a nightmare for Purdue. And on the other end, Jaron Jackson can guard either of those guys. Well, it gets really difficult really quickly. We've seen Jaron Jackson um, struggle um, on the block with defensive position. Yep. And he gets caught and and burned. And if Isaac Haas can beat him down the court and get position and get uh, Mm -hmm. Jaron reaching around and and trying not to get bullied because he's just not as strong... That's how you get him in foul trouble really yep. quickly. Right? And if you're Purdue, that's your game plan. Well, that's a double-edged sword, right? So then you make make Michigan State's have to pull out 
um, the Gavin Schillings of the world, mm-hmm. the the Xavier Tillmans who play who are fine, but just to have a body on body uh, that can match up. But that's something that Purdue hasn't seen a lot either. To have an Isaac Haas that has been been able to be matched relatively um, equally as him. Yeah, and I, you know, we talked earlier about how Tillman's taking some of. Schilling's minutes, I think you're going to see that swing back the other way in this game just because Schilling's got the body and he's got five fouls to give. And frankly, I would put, I mean, Haas does shoot 75% from the line, but like, I don't want to foul any of their other four starters who all shoot at least 81%. So that, you know, just to be able to keep him off the block is going to be a big deal. Keep those easy, easy buckets to a minimum. Um, That to me is a huge deal. I'll be interested to see if Izzo does go small and runs, uh, you know, maybe some Cassius, McQuaid, Langford, Bridges, uh, Jackson lineups out there. It's it's going to be really – and here's the thing. We've been harping a little bit on Isaac Haas. They run an offense without him. They do. I mean, they, when I say that, they use him, obviously. But it's not relying. No, far from it. Right? So, so like – that's just one part of the chess match. They are. That's a big part, though. But but they are perfectly. What I'm getting at is they are perfectly capable of beating a team as good as Michigan State without Isaac Haas being a factor. Yeah, no, I totally they, agree. They are that good. Well, and the reason for that is Carson Edwards. Absolutely. And I actually think, for as much as we just talked about Jaron Jackson, the biggest matchup in this entire game, both ways, is Carson Edwards and Cassius Winston. For Michigan State, this is the absolute key to the game. There's no question. It's an amazing, it's an amazing opportunity for both of them. Yeah, because they'll probably be, and I can't speak for Purdue's um, non-conference, but this is going to be probably the best player that Cassius has gone up against this year. Mm. I'm trying to think, Joel Berry. Joel Berry, but I mean, yeah, Matt Farrell's pretty good. I mean, Carson I mean, Edwards is... Who's a, a well, Trevon Duvall. Well, no, I mean, here's where I, here's why I counter... In the conference, there's no question. But here's where I counter all of that. Carson Edwards is a Wooden Award candidate. I agree. None of those guys... I don't think any of those guys are. Mm. It doesn't mean that they're not as... That, that the Wooden Award is the end-all, be-all. No, but, but he's I'm, having a hell of a year. I'm just saying that this guy has proven through the course of this year that he is one of, if not the best, guards in... The country. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a ridiculously good player. He's averaging 17, four, four rebounds, three assists, over a steal a game, only turning the ball over less than two times a game, which is incredible. Yeah. I would kill to have somebody like that. Um, <laughs> one day. One Foster's yeah, coming. Maybe. Oh, God. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, but th- this is a really good player. Um, yeah. And if he is able to, again, it seems like it always boils down for MSU is if can they keep their best players out of foul trouble? Well, yeah, and it's a... I'll excuse the Iowa game because that was ridiculous, the amount of fouls. Oh, uh, yeah, called. that was one of the worst officiated. We didn't even talk about that. One of the well, most poorly officiated halves of basketball I've ever seen. The good news is that I like to think that when you have two top five teams playing, the referees let them play the game. Hopefully. Because you don't want to get involved. You don't want to be a factor in an, in something like that. Unless... You're Ted Valentine. Well, in which case, you have to be a factor. <laughs> you demand to be a factor. So I just hope that he's not a part of this whole thing. Um, so, so that being said, this a, a huge opportunity for, for both teams. Michigan State, with the Ohio State win over uh, Purdue last night, rocketed up to uh, the chance of be sharing the conference and hanging a banner, which is which is the standard 
for this program is hanging banners. Especially in a year like this. Right? It should be the expectation. So um, I, I'm, I'm, honest... wondering, I'm wondering what you think is going to happen in this game, you know, after other thing we've laid out. I think these are two really good teams. I don't want to take anything away from Purdue. This team just won almost 20 games in a row. Losing to Ohio State this year is, you know, nothing to be to, to hang your head about. That's a damn good team. Um, but this is this is Michigan State's game to lose, in my opinion. This is going to be one of the best teams they've played all year. No yep. question. Yep. This team is is up there with the Dukes, the UNCs, better than the UNC, frankly. That's the best team in the in the conference, um, aside from maybe Ohio State. Um, this, this is Michigan State's game to lose. I think offensively, um, they have some, some serious advantages in this one, uh, in that... I don't think there's anybody on Purdue's team that can legitimately check uh, Jaron Jackson. He yep. presents a ton of issues for them. <laughs> well, that's every. That's kind of everywhere. Yeah. But then on top of that, I mean, it. So it. You just get. You put Purdue in some really awkward mm-hmm. situations when your starting five is out there. You know, you're gonna have Dakota Mathias, who is. You know, he's a great shooter. He's a good player. Uh, but I mean, if you're gonna tell me that he is guarding. Miles Bridges or Josh Langford, I'm going to take that matchup every single day. Uh, Vincent Edwards is going to have to guard one of those two players. Yeah. I'm uh, one of Jaron Jackson or Miles Bridges. I'm probably going to take that matchup. Um, Haas and Nick Ward is is interesting, but listen, I, MSU has advantage offensively, and really, if they can just win or net out neutral in that Carson Edwards, yeah, Cassius Winston matchup, I like I like their chances. I think. This team has finally sort of banded together. Yeah, they've just survived some tough games, but look around the country and look at some of the best teams in the country right now. You've got Duke and Villanova losing back, or both losing games to St. John's, right? In the last week. <laughs> Marvin? Yeah, Marvin Clark, Marv time. Shout out Jobin, Jobin Tui. Um, the, best, the difference between Michigan State and other really good teams at this point is since losing to Michigan, they're not, Michigan State's not losing to to bad teams they're not you know we flirted they flirted with it but they're still finding ways to win and as you alluded to earlier they're finding different ways to do it in every game they are ready for this game this they you know they've had this circled and i i think one of the challenges for them all year has been especially with the way they started out and the way they started out with the schedule has been getting up for games and like maybe being mentally locked in you can see it with sloppy play Mm -hmm. um and dumb fouls and being looking tired They've had three days to rest for the first time in like three weeks. Yeah, uh, it's at home. I think. And it, this, listen, this is your chance. They know that if this game, this is your do or die game, and they've been playing do or die games more or less since they played Michigan. Since they dropped the game. Since and, they lost. And you know, um, I know it's so easy to say, but in college basketball, home court advantage means so, 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 so much. And I can even evidence tonight. Duke's playing North Carolina. Um, Duke's playing at North Carolina. With with uh, it, two minutes to go in the first half, um, Duke is up nine. At the first TV timeout of the second half, North Carolina is up ten. Wow. In six wow. minutes, it's a 19-point swing. Now, that is pretty crazy, right? That's extreme. And it's a rivalry game. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's how much – you can't tell me that in six minutes of a game, 
you put North Carolina against Duke anywhere, that North Carolina outscores them by 19 points. Yeah, that's huge. It's not happening. Yeah. But it can because home court advantage is so it's so weird yeah. in college basketball. I mean, I frankly, when like that's a that's a fantastic point, and I think to build on that, this is a huge gut check for Purdue, a huge gut check. Absolutely. I mean, you just lost a tough game at home that you handed over the Big Ten race. If you win that game, it's, it's pretty much wrapped well, up. It's it's largely wrapped up. I mean, you really would have to fall apart if you would have beaten Ohio State to to lose this. I mean, you could have lost to Michigan State, but you still would have had a chance to win it. I don't know. But my point is they they lost a, a tough game, and they lost it in, in tough fashion. And this is, this is a team that historically, mm. and a coach that historically, yeah. has, uh, has folded in big situations. I mean, what... They, they, they've consistently underachieved in the NCAA tournament. Yes, they did. I was alerted before this. They did actually win the Big Ten last year, which I honestly forgot about. Blacked it out. Uh, completely forgot about it. Um, but, but, I mean, this this is your this is a huge gut check for them to turn around and, what, two, three days later to have to go play in that tough of an environment. If they win this game, I mean, I might pick Purdue to – do some serious damage in the tournament because that shows a really mentally tough team. They haven't had to go through anything like that this season. They haven't had to go through any mental, mentally tough games. Michigan state has faced talk about mental toughness and determination. Michigan state has gone through the ringer when it comes to that, both on and off the court. So I'm inclined to think Michigan state is going to win this game because I think it's a better team. Mm -hmm. I think they're, I think they match up well with Purdue. Um, and frankly, I think it's all up to them. If they play stupid, if they turn the ball over too much, uh, they could lose this game. There's no question. But I, I think this game is coming at a at a good time and to a team that is mentally ready to take it on. Yeah, we saw uh, a, a Michigan State team um, not answer the call after two after a sloppy loss at Ohio State, a barely beating Rutgers at home. Yep, and then. You'd th- we all thought that, okay, Michigan will be the game they can get up for. But yeah. they didn't. Well, here's – rare does life provide you a second chance. Yep. And here's one. Um, and we'll see uh, if they if that mental fortitude has grown since that Michigan game. It, it'll tell you a lot. It'll tell you a lot. This Saturday tells you – in my opinion, this Saturday will tell you everything you need to know about this team. If they come out and they win and they apply themselves, this team once again – to me becomes the one of, if not the favorite for the national championship. But if they fall back into their old ways of, you know, playing sloppy and, and not being locked in, I'm not sure how you can, I'm not sure how you can pick them to do a whole lot come, come March. Cause you just don't know what you're going to get. You're right. It's going to be, like I said, is the game we've been waiting for, for months, you know, the, the last, because the conference has not produced too many um, strong teams. This has been the one. So Saturday, uh, big game, big game. Do whatever you need to do. Wear the lucky underwear. Yes, uh, I will be. It should be a doozy. So um, let's wrap up. Uh, I have one big question for you uh, before we get to some miscellaneous stuff. What teams do you absolutely not want to see in the NCAA tournament? Non Big Ten edition. Oh boy, um, it's such a weird year. 
it's weird. Like if you look up and down the the top twenty five, there's a lot of names in there that I, you're not used to seeing right up flirting near the top. Um, the teams I don't want to play are kind of the same from the very beginning. I don't want to play Arizona. I want nothing to do with. I don't want to deal with DeAndre Ayton. That's I just good. don't. Alonzo Trier. Don't want to deal <laughs> with them. Um, I would say Duke because they just beat MSU every single year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there is a team out there. I, I, can I flip this on you and tell you the one team I do want to play? Ooh. Virginia. You do. Well, that's all the time. Who's the one team Virginia doesn't want to play? Michigan State. There it is. Let's so. go, baby. I, I want to play Virginia because they're going to try to slow it down and bully ball you, and if there's one team they don't want to do that against, it's us. Yeah, so. there's, there's only one. What about you? Who do you now want to play? You know, that's, it's, I've been thinking about it, and they're, they're every – I fall in love with every team. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I watch hoops, and I'm like, I just – they're all – they – They're all good. They're, yeah, they're, they're all bad, and they're all good in their own way, right? Um, I don't want to – I don't want to play ball. Of course not. But you never the, want to play Butler. But but that has nothing to do with like the past. This Butler team, they took they're great at Hinkle. Great, mm-hmm. right? Back to home home. Yeah. Team. They beat took down Villanova. They just went to overtime with Xavier last was it last night or two nights ago. Mm-hmm. They lost. But like that just tells me that yes, a home court is a huge part they're of it. They're just ready. They're just good, right? Yeah. They they have the mental they're they're able to rise to the occasion Absolutely. against better opponents. And that's terrifying when you play a team like that in the Sweet 16 where you're better. You're better. Yeah. And 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 sometimes it doesn't matter. Um, I obviously do not want anything to do with a Trey Young. Oh, uh, God, no. Oh, my God. We talk about how the best players play their best against Michigan State. I'm not trying to see You Trae just Young. don't – you let someone else take care of that dirty work. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, like that. that is – you don't want anything to do with a kid that on any night could drop 50 and you aren't allowed to be surprised. Yeah, no. So those are my two this week. Next week it will change. Uh, maybe we'll do a couple each week as we lead up to the selection. Um. I have uh, uh, a few records I want to touch on real quick. As we close in on the season, team assists, Michigan State is number one in the country with 20.15 assists per game. So as bad as we are with turnovers, assists actually are the best in the country. Um, We're on pace to uh, potentially pass the 2016 Michigan State team for um, most assists all time. Wow. At 719 right now, we stand at 524. Um, for the for those keeping track at home, the all time record is the 1990 UNLV running Rebels with 926 uh, assists over 40 games. That's 23 a game. And actually, the year after that, they had less assists, but they only played 35 games, and they averaged almost 25 assists a game. That's crazy. I mean, that is just insanity. So, um, you know, we're we're on pace to potentially crack the top 20 all time. And if we happen to play uh, 14 remaining games, which is the maximum amount, and we maintain this rate, we could potentially be uh, seventh all time in assists, wow. which is pretty crazy. Let's make it happen. I'd uh, like to see that. Yeah, Ca- uh, Cassius Winston uh, was named a Bob Cousy top 10 finalist, which is the top point guard in the country. Uh, that'll be narrowed down to five in mid March. I have a feeling he's not going to win. The young man you just mentioned, yeah, I might mean, be running away with that. I one. I left 
I left it as a win by <laughs> that he was uh, on the on the list. And I'll take it. Oh, hey, man. He's just getting ready for next year. Exactly. Sounds. He's only a sophomore, and he, he's not going anywhere. Um, uh, speaking of, Miles Bridges is a finalist for two awards, the Julius Irving Award, which is the best um, swing forward in the country, and the Wooden Award, which is the top 20 players in the country. Um, the cuts to 10 are going to be made in early March. Um, the list for uh, the Wooden Award include, and the Big Ten includes Bates, Diop. Yikes, he trailed us. And yeah. on Saturday, you'll get to see two others, Vincent and Carson Edwards of Purdue, no relation. So uh, the last two things I'm going to touch on really quick. Cassius Winston, as we said on this pod, or I said on this podcast eons ago, I thought had a chance to pass and beat Mateen Cleve's all-time assist record. Now, that's pretty far away, but we'll keep track of this season. Right now, our friend Cassius is has 182 assists on the season. That would be good for best in the conference, but 40, ranked 40th all-time for Big Ten single season rank. A lot of games to go. Yeah. Uh, coming in down on uh, needed to pass Cleves, he has 452 to go to pass Cleves, but he's on pace to not only beat Mateen, but shatter his record. And then as far as all-time big career rank assist list goes, Cassius has cracked the top 100 and is currently sitting at 86th overall career assists in the Big Ten. That's And crazy. he is not through two seasons yet. The other thing I wanted to touch on real quick is Jaron Jackson's blocks, which has just been insane. Yeah. Since the last game, he is now officially in the top 10 for MSU all-time blocks. <laughs> career. Career all-time blocks. That's insane. Uh, he just passed passed uh, Alucius Anagagne and Paul Davis, and now he has 89. Um, he has, sitting in front of him, he'll likely pass on Saturday, is Goran Sutan, who has 90. Oh, gee. So we'll keep that update going. And the last piece on Jaron Jackson is that he is in Big Ten single season rank, um, currently 21st all time with plenty of games to go. And from a Big Ten career blocks rank, uh, Jaron is sitting at 109th all time, and he hasn't finished one season. So he is single season going to end up as a top 15 all time shot blocker? In the Big Ten uh, single season. Single season. yeah, he will. He will comfortably comfortably be likely a top ten. That's insane for single season rank and all time in the Big Ten since we've been keeping that stat. And the Big Ten career rank, which is I think is even more impressive. We'll see where he nets out, but he's going to crack the top one hundred in two games. That's wild. So we'll keep you updated on all of those things uh, as the news and notes progress through these games. I think it's just fun to keep track of the prop bet this week. Or last week, you have put money. You've never been wrong. Carr, yeah, yeah. Tony Carr had more points and assists uh, than Bridges had points and rebounds. Uh, Thirty-five, close, thirty-two, though. pretty darn close. Um, it looked good for for Bridges until Tony Carr. Tony Carr blew up at the end of the game yep. and scored like eight points in a row. You just knew I needed to win that prop bet. <sighs> I am pretty sure I haven't lost yet. You, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my question to you um, is on this prop bet, and going into this game, uh, Purdue has, we know, has quite a few scores. Um, but what I want you to have to say is who is going to have the over on points? Mm. The Edwards non-brothers, who average 17 and 15.3 combined, or are you going to go with Miles Bridges and... 
Mm, let's go with we'll just go with their we'll just go with their top two scorers. Uh, so Miles and uh, Nick Ward, seventeen and thirteen, so they're averaging thirty a game. I'm gonna go with the 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 non brothers. The, bro- the Edwards are gonna go. Yeah, well, just uh, based on the things that we've talked about, a the best players for the other teams always kill MSU. Uh, I think Carson Edwards is probably Purdue's biggest mismatch in the whole game. And um, I think he's just going to have a big game. Vincent Edwards, and I also don't know that Ward is going to do a whole lot. I don't expect Ward to score very often in this one because I think he's going to go up against uh, both Harms and um, Haas a lot. And that is... He's incredible. I love Nick Ward, but that's just not. It's tough good. for him because he's not a great matchup for he, him. He is. He has, as everyone does, struggles against guys who legitimately have length. Yeah, him, and that's so. he's going up against Ivan Drago and <laughs> uh, a guy with really long arms. Cool. Let's do it Saturday. Um, we will. I don't know where you'll be, but uh, I'll be, be somewhere. I'll be holding. Be buried in snow here in Chicago. We're about to get about a foot of snow here. So we'll be Got nothing better to watching do. in an igloo somewhere. But uh, for John, this is Austin. As always, thank you guys for joining us. And we will hit you up next week. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.